0: Welcome to uh, a conversation among good friends who are former leaders in academic uh, pediatrics. We have conversations about topics and competencies that we think are really important for pediatricians who who lead both divisions and and departments. Child Health Advisory Committee works with career physicians. The panel today includes uh, Drs. Arnie Strauss, Drs. Valerie Opapari, Dr. Daniela Roccarina, Dr. Chris Gleason, Dr. Craig Hillemeyer, Dr. Bob Sowen, and myself. I'm Bruder Stapleton. I'm a former chair at uh, the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Washington in in Seattle. So today's topic is going to be about uh, the educational mission. Uh, Within departments of pediatrics, one of the primary purposes of uh, Department of Pediatrics is to educate all students about the critical issues in pediatrics but in addition to create the future strength of pediatric residents and fellows. And so we're going to be talking about some topics to that day. Chris Gleason uh, and I will be uh, co-leading this. Chris, would you like to make any comments or start the discussion?
1: Well, sure. Thanks, Bruder. I think uh, all of us have learned um, and, and been challenged by meeting the demands of our academic missions um, while advancing not just uh, training the next generation of academic physician leaders um, and caregivers, but advancing continuing medical education within our divisions, departments, um, schools of medicine. And and it's especially challenging, I think, these days. Um, I'm really glad to have this group of friends and colleagues to Address some of the challenges we've had, and how how you all, um, how we all have dealt with these issues um, in our in our leadership positions. So I think I'm going to pose an an initial question to Valerie. So in in your you were a chair for so many years. Did you have sort of a, a mission statement, an educational mission statement? And 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 I'm sure you did, Valerie. And and it's it's so. How did that offer guidance for your educational leaders in your department?
2: Well, um, I rarely disagree with you, Chris, (laughs) but I actually, we didn't actually have a separate mission statement for education, but we definitely had a mission statement for the department and critical within that mission statement was the commitment to training, you know, the next generation of um, academic and non-academic care providers in pediatric medicine. So, um, you know, we talked about a separate education mission statement, but I always felt as a chair, for me, it was important that all of the missions of the department were equally recognized. And so the overall department mission statement had something specific to education. And I think that, you know, my philosophy, like many, I think in, on our in our panel would say that if you're not if that's not a core part of what you value in academic pediatrics, then you're probably not the right person to be leading any kind of department or division, because that, in fact, is one of the core things that we do each and every day or, or should be doing each and every day.
1: Thanks, Valerie. Danielle, you, you've also been <laughs> leadership division chair, you know, president and so forth. Again, thinking about it from that perspective, did, did you have uh, in your leadership positions that kind of either statement or your goals, objectives for your educational
3: mission? Yeah, great question. I had to reflect as as Valerie was answering that. <laughs> Uh, So, you know, I thought back to my position as chair in a children's hospital and also as vice president of the children's hospital at the time, and it was the only department that had that had a VP represented so there was real emphasis on the children's hospital and we had a fantastic strategic planning process. And while I did not pull out my mission statement, I can tell you that similarly to Valerie, uh, the focus was to really support the educators in our department because it was so integral to the mission of scholarship, the our residency training programs, and our fellowship programs that it was at the core of what we were doing. It was a participatory process to develop the uh, mission values and mission values and vision. And that visioning process encompassed education at the core because it does. So uh, I would have to say, yes, it was there. In the- <laughs> And um, may I jump ahead to another issue? Because I think in doing that, we also embedded the uh, concepts of being true to educational diversity and cognitive diversity and all of its implications. So the fact that the strategic planning process was participatory, every division participated, faculty and staff participated, it was a very inclusive process.
0: I... uh think that uh, like Valerie and Danielle, the, the mission of education is incorporated into the mission of the department. But uh, in addition, during strategic planning sessions, that's where I found focus and opportunities to really evaluate what educational programs are about and how it's integrated, because in the strategic planning process, you're talking about research and ed- education and, and clinical work and advocacy and being able to incorporate How the educational programs are incorporated in each of those missions Mm -hmm. and an opportunity, you know, for how you can improve care delivery, how you can train the next physician scientist and those those often come up and it's a real opportunity to focus on those during strategic planning processes. And I think that's probably, in my experience, where we were able to make the most innovations and advances in, in the educational programs was when we were really sitting down and saying, where's the department, where's the hospital going? That, to me, was a real opportunity.
4: I think that oftentimes, um, as leaders, it, whether it be as a division chief, a department chair, or whatever whatever leadership position we find ourselves in, we find that we don't really use the ability to attach importance to those issues and so having a leadership statement in the is is a great idea but how often you talk about it and how you talk about education and the importance of education is probably more crucial than actually having a statement per se that reflects that education oftentimes Using division uh, division chief division meetings or department meetings to emphasize the importance of the excellence of education that's delivered, and to making sure that people understand the role of education and the qualitative and quantitative assessment of that educational effort and the promotion and the promotion process, I think is a very important thing um, that sometimes we often forget as leaders.
3: When I was a chair, we spent two years in a compensation model because we knew there were inequities in compensation. That process was, and we had, I don't know if folks remember Bruce Vladek, who was the head of HICFA before he became CMS, actually was our consultant and helped us to take a look at the issues around what it is we wanted to achieve and had the division directors direct you know academic efforts to to the, the division and we talked about ERVUs and we talked about equity you know the different focused areas, whether it's education, clinical care in the faculty practice, whether it's research or other things such as policy, so that you made me think about that. And so it was integral to our discussion and valuing education, but also trying to put some metrics and capturing that effort in a way that supported promotion as well. So I just think that it needs to be more than words it needs to be that the structure of the department supports our words saying that we support educational excellence and scholarship. The other is, I'll do a plug for the APA, the Academic Pediatric Association. And a number of our folks became educational scholars in the APA track that helps support scholarship in education. And then we integrated also some aspects of research in the issues around how you teach about implicit bias, how you teach about various things, and what's the training needed. So thank Uh, you.
1: Yeah, well said. And, uh, you know, Bruder, that just reminds me that you've raised some questions, um, right, that you wanted to ask us, too, to reflect on. And how do we provide, you know, this kind of support, mentorship guidance for are faculty who are engaged in educational activities or leading educational programs. So do, do you wanna reflect on that or, or run some questions by us that we can address?
0: <laughs> well, I think uh, Danielle raised some really important question. How do you recognize both uh, compensate but recognize in the promotion process? And then how do you uh, mentor or provide development opportunities for people to advance in their educational leadership and and educational roles as a teaching faculty member. Arnie, do you have any thoughts on any of those topics? Yes, thank you,
5: Bruder. I would just emphasize what Danielle said. It has to be incorporated into the structure of the department. That is, we always had a vice chair for education who coordinated educational process, remembering that it goes from 26 year olds to uh, 35 year olds uh, from medical students to fellows. Uh, It's a long process and requires various degrees of expertise. So a vice chair for education was crucial. I always thought or developed an educational scorecard with the metrics again that Danielle mentioned, you know, what percentage of medical students went into pediatrics. What were the residency matches? Where did our residency program go to match our quota of of applicants? And I think those metrics are very important. And then the third major point that I would make has to do with the faculty. Um, We developed or asked the faculty to develop an education portfolio based on guidelines as part of their faculty development and ultimately their promotions um, so that they understood what. The goals of the process were and could have something specific uh, to work toward. And then I think uh, another point Danielle made is involvement of the chair and the division directors in the process. So I attended all of the residence review sessions. The people that were doing that knew how important I felt that was for the future of the department. At the other end of the spectrum, set up a fellowship office, which had not existed here in Cincinnati to support the fellows um, and the postdoctoral fellows who were doing research. So it's a whole spectrum. And I think it's really crucial to recognize and reward. So we had an educational award to recognize accomplishments in education as well. Um, But the involvement of the chair is really crucial and an understanding um, that it's a very diverse effort and needs to be supported and recognized with both promotion and awards as well as salary, of course. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Valerie?
2: Yeah, I mean, Arnie has just listed so many pearls that are so incredibly important, but I wanna focus on the engagement that Arnie demonstrated as a leader to be involved and be present and be seen, showing value in meetings around educational uh, quality programs. I think that is absolutely critical because when you value something, then the faculty value something, the leaders in the department value something. But there's also a great pearl from that, which is, you can take what you learn in the innovative approaches that different people are using in different divisions and bring it to the faculty at large as best practices. So we used to do that quite a bit in our, in our faculty meetings, we would reserve some time. And we would just have, you know, one of the young really great educators who's come up with a new process for evaluation or a new way to give feedback. And in some cases, they were actually studying the intervention um, as an academic product and just share that with the group at large. And I think that that's one of the things that comes from really being engaged and understanding what's going on in the educational realm in your department or your division um, and showing that you value it um, so that you can spread the word, if you will.
0: Bob, do you... Uh... You you come from a surgeon's point of view and a proceduralist. It's a big part of education. You know, I, I was reflecting how earlier in my career, I think there was an assumption that because we went
6: through an education process and were trained, we would therefore naturally be good teachers. And um, it strikes me that there really has to be a curriculum for faculty on how to more effectively teach. Um, you know, there are things that aren't intuitive and and, as several people have raised, there are issues today that we have to be more aware of and more sensitive towards. so i I, I think uh, educational curricula for the faculty are really imperative. You know, how to give feedback is not something that a lot of people have uh, good skill at and and that that can be taught. I know uh, our department had at least once a year had mandatory all faculty meetings that were focused entirely on you know, an educational topic or educational skill. So I think those are uh, really important. You know, I'm I'm not familiar with the milestones in in the pediatric uh, residency programs, but I'm sure just as they are in surgery, that sort of measurable, prescriptive attainment of skills is a, is another way to add rigor to the educational process. Um, and as several people have mentioned, valuing education and the promotion and and Compensation process is imperative. So I think uh, even even for the, you know, the scientists, um, I think you know, uh, valuing em- emphasizing the value of of education and teaching is is really important.
0: One of the things that I thought about was the importance of medical student education. I mean, the Department of Pediatrics at a university is responsible for the very fundamental knowledge that every physician has. About children and their and how to recognize a sick child and and to have a basic understanding of of child health. So often, the the in in the hospital setting, the education is is left is kind of seen as a resident's responsibility. And I think you know really emphasizing how important the faculty roles and are in that in that regard and rewarding. Good teachers, and I know that that I had a I wrote a letter to everyone who got good teaching reviews each year thanking them and have asking them to put it in their promotion portfolio. I mean you can do things that you know let people know that what they're doing is important, and I think that that's that's an area. everybody sees a clear, I think responsibility of residents, but the med students themselves are a really important uh, part of a, a department's mission. Danielle?
3: Yeah, one of the things that your comments and other comments have brought to mind is that, in fact, we're not trained as educators. And one of the things that I certainly, I I hope we do uh, lifelong learning is that I learned about educational methodology and then integrated it as a division director and vice chair and then chair Into the process and talking about medical students was, you know, we knew that if you were mentoring the attending for a third year medical student, you actually had to observe their physical exams, their history taking, etc., And yet for the residents, we didn't incorporate that. And so, again, I'm not going to give you an educational lecture because I probably couldn't. But in terms of the pyramid of the kinds of things that, in fact, are educationally sound, direct observations of our residents became one of the things that we actually strove to do. So we were educating the faculty about education. So that you then integrate it into the substance of how you do things. Because if, if it's just an isolated concept, it's not integrated in how you do your daily operations, it stays as an a marginalized issue. If you say your attending physicians need to apply for their fellows, their residents, their medical students, other health professionals they may be teaching, that you need to actually understand educational teaching methodology, you then integrate it into the work that you do. And I found I learned a great deal from my educators. And then I could then try to have that integrated at whatever leadership level administratively. So it's teaching the faculty to teach <laughs> so that they apply, you know, those concepts.
0: Chris, you have a comment? Well,
1: I, I just, I wanted to add a comment uh, about that, this particular issue, and that has to do with um, continuing medical education. And because I, I think that, you know, we've been focusing primarily on educating the next generation trainees and so forth. But as you, as we all know, we've we've had to do, a little bit more in the weeds on our continuing medical education, at least in pediatrics, maintenance of certification and so forth, but also hospital procedures, things like that. We have to maintain our competencies and and so forth. and and we value that. i hope I hope we all value that. Um, it's not been without some pain and suffering. But I do think that some of the, you know, in addition to learning how to be educators, We've learned better how to be learners, continuing lifelong learners, and we can apply that. Some of the pain that we've had to endure over the last years and um, decade or so with that, and in our division, meant that I think we became better uh, educators and we valued education more because it mattered to us personally. We wanted to maintain our competency, our skills, and so forth, not just as educators, but as caregivers and so forth so so I just would add that about continuing medical education and I know I see the hands up of Arnie and Valerie so I want to be sure they get to it, but I I also want to be sure we have some time to talk about how we select our leaders, our educational leaders, like who's a good program director who's a residency program who's in charge of the medical student education. Do you recruit those? If you recruit them from within or outside, what qualities do you look for? What have you found useful or not so helpful to have these leaders that you really count on in your departments and divisions be successful?
5: So I would make two points, one related to what Danielle briefly mentioned, which is educating a team and a team approach to care. Um, so it's not just physicians, it's nurses, it's physical therapists, it's dietitians, educating everyone about the facts, the diseases, the treatments, but also about how to work together, uh, because in my view, that's the way that care is optimized. So I would emphasize the need to th- convince folks to be a team, to think like a team, and to work as a team. And then, Chris, to uh, emphasize what you said as well, I think the, the long-term education is absolutely critical, and uh, we need to do that. How do we select people? By One, by interest and passion, of course, just like every position, but also skill. If you're interested and in, don't know how to teach, it doesn't work very well. So I think it's really, really key to uh, select people who are both good at it and competent at it but want to do it, want to teach, whether it's a grad student in a lab or a medical student on the board.
2: Yeah. So you allowed the conversation to go higher level and Bruder did too with the students and the CME. And I'm going to take it to another level Um, because I think as a leader, I always felt uh, the educational mission was all the things that we've already discussed for students and CME and picking your leadership team to drive the educational mission and so forth. But your staff, we spent a lot of time thinking about what aspirations of our staff were and the talents that our staff had. And we worked very, very hard to help um, staff members to get their GEDs. We would pick out very, very smart finance people who aspired to be a, a leadership position as a finance person in a division and finance at at a higher level. And you know, we've got a a couple of um, talks on our website related to the business of of medicine. And I think if you have a really broad view of education, it's not just the medical education levels, it's also what do you do to develop your talent that supports your faculty and, and that's your staff. And I think that efforts to seek out opportunities at the university or giving people time off to finish up their work, Um, You don't just do that for your faculty, I think you need to seriously think about doing that for your staff too and it's a really important part of retention. Um, So all this investment in faculty education and opportunity when you make the same investments in your staff. It really helps you to build really successful teams that can really support your mission, but also um, retain great talent at the staff level
4: in the department. One of the things which is oftentimes forgotten is that in order to set the framework, you can start from the beginning. And during the recruitment process, whether it's as a staff member, faculty member, whatever, it's oftentimes, I think, important to ask, what are some of the challenges and some of the things that you've really enjoyed about education? whether it be of a medical student or another team member. That's, I think that's something that we sometimes forget to do. It's
6: really sort of a, a different issue that, um, you, you know, you asked me from the perspective of a proceduralist. One of the things that we have to think carefully about these days is um, the introduction of autonomy. You know, the old adage about see one, do one, teach one no longer applies because as a society, we're not, you know, not going to tolerate that. And, and one of the Thing that uh, things that people have observed lately is that people who finish with a residency program sometimes haven't had that taste of autonomy and struggle in their first several years as as young attendings. Uh, so I don't have the answers, but it's a it's a vexing issue. And I think people have to be very careful about the gradual introduction of autonomy because to graduate someone from a training program who hasn't had that experience, I think is. Uh, Setting them up for failure.
3: I just wanted to add that the idea of team science and team education is so critically important, as Arnie mentioned, and that it actually serves to move practice forward. Had the experience of having a learning collaborative that involved every single person in the division. Um, the you know the person who just says hello to the to the family to the uh, the uh, nursing assistant who does the weighing the nurse the physicians the the all of the trainees and so quality improvement is key to that and I thought and it changed we did it for integration mental health uh, screening and addressing children's uh, emotional health and it changed practice so that education will change the practice. It involves a comprehensive approach to everyone who interfaces with um, those we care for.
7: I I really wanted to close with a a question for the group based on a recent experience with a client, uh, wherein we heard a lot of superlatives about their educational mission and their uh, accomplishments and the field residency and fellowship programs and such and just out of coincidence I had an opportunity to have a 30-minute call the next day with um, a couple of their chief residents who let me know that they had never met the chair and they had never even met the program director and so uh, with that is kind of the backdrop as you know as we are doing this for leaders and act at pediatrics. Talk to me a little bit about the metrics and measures and things that you might create or have created to make sure that, you know, the vision is really accomplishing what you want it to at at a, at a grassroots level. Valerie.
2: Yeah. So, um, when I was a young fellow, um, uh, I did some rotations in internal medicine because that's how our program was set up. And, I had the opportunity to go to the Department of Medicine, internal medicine resident rounds, and they were held every Friday. And Bill Kelly was the chair of medicine at the time, very, very famous person who went on to Penn and did great things. But he never missed a resident morning report every Friday. No matter where he was in the world, he would fly back overnight to be there for that conference. And I got to know him over years, and I had occasion to ask him, you know, why? And he said, Valerie, the single most important thing that we do is teach the individuals that are going to have our roles one day. And I love to learn medicine, and I love to be in that setting. And I learned from his leadership just the power that your presence has when you attend Morning Report I used to do chief rounds um, where I'd walk through the hospital and specifically, specifically go into the the resident staff rooms. How, How are you doing today? What's going on on the floor? Tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working. And I honestly think that that presence, first of all, I got so much out of it, but I think it sends such a deep and profound message to young people that you truly, again, care about the educational mission. And I honestly believe that experience that you had, Wesley, is not an uncommon experience because many individuals who get into the C-suites or division directors, they, they have so many demands on their time. And it's really hard to manage everything and organize things to keep those fundamental opportunities front and center. But the ones that do that are the ones that have the divisions with the best teaching evaluations, the best clinical care, oftentimes the best research programs, because the, the it comes from the top. And when you value each of the missions and you demonstrate it on a regular basis, it's hard for people not to want to meet you at the same point.
0: This is a topic that we can uh, carry forward. Uh, I think uh, it's something that all of us as chairs. I don't think any of us were unknown to our residents or even med students. Uh, I think that that was just a very critical thing. There's many little things you could do uh, to indicate how important it was. So uh, I sent a letter to every student that got an honors in pediatrics, congratulating them for their efforts. And if they were interested in peds, had an open door and said, we'd love to talk to you about it. But if you're not, you're doing a great job. Keep on keeping on, and I mean, having, there's all kinds of little things that can be done in addition to looking at the metrics and, and doing the, the blocking and tackling of learning to teach and learning to learn, so. Well, I think we've had a wonderful discussion today. Thanks, thanks to everyone, we will come back to this. And I think the some of the key points to our discussion were that leadership is important in education, a commitment to education by the leader that's visible and present. Uh, makes a big difference that making education a priority in in, in your daily work uh, and rewarding education uh, is is very important to uh, sustaining uh, our our very important mission. And that finally, education is a key mission of any leader in pediatrics uh, for the future and for their patients. So thank you all. I hope that uh, those that are listening will find this interesting and and, uh, encourage you to look at the career physician website for other uh, leadership uh, information.